0: Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the off season. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. It is a Taco Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining me today. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about how the general manager meetings have started out in Scottsdale, Arizona. Some resort and spa out there. All the general managers for all the Major League Baseball teams are meeting together, talking about some possible trade ideas, talking to free agents, agents, free agent baseball players, agents, that is. And just trying to get a feel for the offseason. We're going to talk about that just briefly. And then also, I got a question from a listener on Twitter that I want to get to that has a lot of nuances and different thoughts that can be unpacked from it. But before we get to that, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Check us out on Twitter, at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And save the On Reds line number into your phone 513-549-0159. So, as I mentioned on Monday, the general manager meetings began. And there's so many different meetings during the off You got the winter meetings, the owner meetings, the general manager meetings, just meetings and meetings and meetings. And basically this one it's just something for the front offices of each Major League Baseball team to start to get a lay of the land, to figure out where everyone is, and that just continues the rumor mill, and really, in a lot of cases, it just starts to get it turning even faster, and there have been some things that have come out from that, just names that are popping up. That the Reds are looking at. There's a lot more traction. Mob trade rumors had an article probably about a week ago talking about how they believe that the Reds will end up signing Yasmani Grandal and Didi Gregorius. I've mentioned that before. I noticed in the Athletic, Eno Saris had an article talking about mid-level free agents and where he believes they'll fall, what their value looks like, things of that nature. He predicted that Didi Gregorius would be a Red next season. And another interesting factoid, he thinks that Travis Darnot, the catcher Travis Darnot, will go to the Brewers, i.e. Yasmani Grandal will not be a Brewer. Now, he doesn't say that specifically, but he sort of frames it as the Brewer are looking to improve in other areas of their team and could do with making a cost-effective signing at catcher to replace Grandal. I don't think that, it seems like from the way that he's writing it, he gets the opinion that the Brewers are not looking to spend what it would take to bring Grandal back. Also knowing that there will be a pretty big pool of teams that are bidding for grand all services with of course our wonderful red legs at the forefront of that foray but when it comes to these different things it's encouraging to see that the reds are mentioned so prominently when it comes to free agents because we've heard dick williams say well we're gonna have more payroll we're going to be a player in free agency and that's all well and good But to consistently get these rumors, I think that there's some truth to this idea. Obviously, we won't know until they actually get signed, until they actually ink a deal and we see them in red and white and they've got their own numbers and blah, blah, blah. And If any of them get the number four, we can joke about whether or not they got Brandon Phillips' permission and all that good stuff. But... When it comes to these rumors, there is some truth to the fact that so many people are reporting them. They are reporting that the Reds are going after these guys. So I don't necessarily think that it's window dressing, that they're saying, well, we're going to be a player in free agency, and then nothing's going to happen. I have seen that take. I've seen some folks in different circles, not necessarily social media, because that's usually where you see the... uh, different uh, bad takes, let's call them. But there's been different areas where people are saying, ah, the, they're not going to do nothing. They're just going to sit on their hands with a the roster they've got and go into opening day the way that they are right now. I firmly believe that that is completely false. The Reds are going to do quite a bit of work this offseason. There's going to be a lot of moves. Hope those fans that believe falsely that they won't do anything are ready to Because they're about to get their worlds rocked. Or at least the part of their world where they think the Reds aren't going to do anything. Because it's going to happen. But there's plenty of rumors out there. Reds, Grandall, Reds, Gregorius. That is phenomenal. But I do have a thought based on something that a question on Twitter brought up. Actually, a couple of different thoughts off of that. I'm going to get to that here in just a minute. I mentioned in the first part of the show that the general general manager meetings, the GM meetings, I'm just going to call them the GM meetings if I refer to them at all the rest of the week, the GM meetings began on Monday. And with that, more and more rumors abound with our wonderful Red Lakes. And I got a question on Twitter, and I really enjoy the question. Thank you so much to Greg Luther. It's at Greg 9 GREGER09. He tweets, "Heard the Cubs might want to trade Chris Bryant. Problem is, would they want to trade Bryant to the Reds in their own division? Does it ever really happen in baseball much, trading within a team's own division? And there's quite a bit to unpack with this question. I appreciate the question there, Greg. Thank you so much. First of all, I really don't see if you were to rank, if you were to create a power ranking of possible trade targets that the Reds have, Chris Bryant might be at the bottom of the list. It's going to cost way, way, way too much. He probably might cost more than Francisco Lindor or guys like that. And on the other end of the spectrum, you add in that whole nuanced portion of your trading within your own division. Now, I'm going to come back to that, though. Put a pin in that thought on whether or not the Reds will actually do this. The fun part part of this question for me was the intra-division trading part because there's a lot of history... On it, most of it is just about as hilarious as you would think. You can look back at different trades, and a lot of them come from the American League East. I don't know if you knew that or not. Something about the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Orioles, and they they just love to trade with each other and uh, the Blue Jays and the Rays, and just see exactly how bad it all blows up in their face and how often it blows up in their face because when you make a bad trade in division, you see that player a lot more than if you made a bad trade to, you know, say a team in the other conference or or in the other league. Sorry, conference, I'm thinking um, basketball there. But, you know, it's almost like and I saw, you know, <laughs> just kind of thought of this. It's it's like if you start dating a person that you work with and then it ends badly or it doesn't end badly at all, and, but you just break up, it just doesn't work out. You started dating this person that you work with and then all of a sudden, well, it it ends and you got to break up or something happens. Well, guess what? You're still working with that person. You still got to see him every day. Now. If the Reds made a bad trade with the Cubs, they wouldn't have to see them every day, but they would have to see them a whole heck of a lot during the season. Now, with that being said, I mean, I won't go into too many specifics because most of us understand the bad trades that the Reds have made, but none of them really stick out as in, well, they they traded them in division. I think most teams over the last probably about 30 years, kind of figured out how to not trade badly within their own division. Now, that's not to be said. Otherwise, teams still make bad trades every single day. I mean, heck, we can thank the Tigers for A. Eugenio Suarez. But that's neither here nor there. We're talking about intra-division. The Cubs, just for instance, I looked at this. The Cubs have made very few in division trades with other teams the biggest of which they made was back in the early 2000s they traded for an old Kenny Lofton and a young Aramis Ramirez from the Pirates and that was pretty much the most monumental trade that's happened in like the last 30 years between NL Central teams In fact, if you look, the rivalry between the Cubs and the Cardinals, the Cubs and the Cardinals have made exactly four. Count them four. You can use one hand to count how many times the Cubs and the Cardinals have traded with each other since 1980. They understand they're not going to make these deals. It's just not going to happen for them, so they don't even try. And the Reds and the Cubs have had... As far as quantity, a decent relationship with trading and sort of thing, there's really no substance there. I mean, most of us remember when the Reds went and traded for Sean Marshall, but I'm telling you what, in like 10 to 15 years, some folks are going to look back on that trade, some folks, not me, I'll I'll still remember it, but some folks are going to look back on that trade and be like, who was Sean Marshall and who was Travis Wood? And who are these guys that are involved in you know, it? Ronald Torres, those guys. Like what 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 is this? Because that's just the way it was. There's not been a whole lot of huge star movement in division with the NL Central. So with that being said, I don't necessarily see this as a possibility. At all. I, I think that Lindor or Mookie Betts is a much bigger possibility for the Reds to go after than Chris Bryant. Now, this being said, I had a thought on this, and maybe you've got a different thought, and I want to hear from you on this matter at 513 549 0159. My thought is this if you are trading in division and you are the team, The the Reds make a trade in division with the Cubs, Cardinals, Pirates, whatever. The Brewers. If, If the Reds are the one team that is sending prospects, sending a package of players to acquire the star player, I think that is the more favorable position to be in. Now, you might have a different thought on that. Give me a call on the lockdown Reds line. I want to hear from you about that. But I think, personally, if I'm the Reds in that situation, I feel like I get the better end of the deal. Because here's the thing. We all value prospects. But how many prospects do the Reds actually trade away that you're like, Man, that one got away. He got away. Normally, it's not that many. I mean, you could probably only count like a handful. I I didn't dive too deep into this. I mean... When it comes to prospects that the Reds trade away, that they regret trading away, some people during the playoffs, and this is kind of a sidebar here, but some, some people in the playoffs were putting Tanner Rainey in that column of, "Ugh, oh, boy, Tanner Rainey, he's the one that got away. No, he wasn't. Come on. You really think he was that big of a deal for the Nationals to win the World Series, that they were a Tanner Rainey away from winning the World Series? Don't get me wrong, guy's got a ring. That's awesome for him. Glad he got a ring. But he is probably, uh, if I could put a percentage of responsibility for the Nationals World Series Championship on Tanner Rainey, I'd say it was a .08% chance or responsibility. He was .08% responsible for the Nationals World Series. Just absolutely almost inconsequential that he was even on the team. So stop it with that, that he was one that got away. Plus you got Tanner Rourke. Tanner Rourke gave the Reds some good innings for uh, almost half a season. And then they trade him for a prospect. We'll see what happens with Jamison Hanna. Uh, I, I, I'm not either way on this. But if I'm talking about – we'll roll back to the original subject here. If, If I'm the Reds and the Cubs approach me and they want to give me Chris Bryant and they're like, all right, I want Hunter Green, I want Jose Garcia, and let's talk about maybe Josh Van Meter and Jesse Winker. Now, that probably gives some people pause. If they told me that, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Now, the interesting thing would be is if they start bringing up names like Senzel or Suarez or things like that, it would probably give me pause. But for Chris Bryant, that's hard to turn down, man. Chris Bryant is one of the best players in this game. And if you're telling me that I could have him on the team now – it If you lose Suarez in the deal, that probably doesn't make you as great as if you were able to keep him. But this is really just me talking in circles around myself because it's not going to happen. But I, I'm just say that to say that if I'm the Reds and I'm in a position where I'm talking to the Cubs about getting Chris Bryant, I think that's more favorable than the Cubs trying to trade away their guy because, yeah, sure, you'll get a haul of prospects, you'll get some young players, but who knows what those guys are going to be. We know what Chris Bryant is. And, and we know that he's going to test free agency and all of this stuff. But Chris Bryant makes you immediately better. If you're the Cubs and you're training for a Hall of Prospects, you may get better in the long run. You may not. I don't know. But I thought that was a great question. Thank you so much for that, Greg Luther. I really appreciated that one. And uh, worth unpacking there, I thought. And if you've got some different thoughts, if you think I'm crazy – Give me a call on the Lockdown Reds line. Give me a text, 513-549-0159. A couple of things to unpack real quick before we go. I did notice uh, lots of different articles almost immediately after I said that I read something that Marcelo Ozuna is almost assuredly going to accept his qualifying offer from the Cardinals. I saw many things saying he's almost assuredly not going to accept that qualifying offer. And that's great. That means that he's an option for the Reds to go after in free agency. It still bears comparing him to Nick Castellanos because while Ozuna was good, he really has one great season and a bunch of pretty good seasons. But you're going to pay for that one great season. He's, his His agent is not going to let you get him on a bargain, at least not early. Now if he hangs out till close to spring training, all bets are off there. But if I'm comparing him with Nick Castellanos, I think it's a lot closer than people are giving it credit for. I think Castellanos is a pretty good outfielder when it comes to hitting and all that good stuff. So I I think uh it's still an interesting comparison, especially when you factor in the whole qualifying offer, draft pick compensation, blah 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 blah. Then also and something that I didn't mention at all whenever at first uh, the, the news first broke, uh, but that is that the Reds are going to have Billy Joel at Great American Ballpark, and that is something that's pretty cool. Now, I, I'll admit, I'm not the biggest Billy Joel fan. I do enjoy his music, and currently, Piano Man is playing. I love that song. It's one of my favorite songs, and I listen to it a ton, but... With that being said, if you are a massive Billy Joel fan, this might be your only chance to catch him in the Queen City. I I don't know exactly how many more times he's going to tour around the country, but I think this is his first time headlining a show in Cincinnati. First time in a stadium, at least, I know. So, that's a big deal, man. Big deal that the Reds got Billy Joel for this upcoming season. So if you're a concert junkie, if you love going to see bands, if you just want to see Billy Joel, I encourage you to check it out. It's on thereds.com. You'll be able to find ticket packages and all that stuff. I think I saw that uh, the cheapest tickets are, I think it's like 60 or $80 or something like that. I know... To set on the field, they're going to have the stage, at least on the seat map, it looks like the stage is going to be set up in center field, which that in and of itself, that's going to create a really cool picture opportunity, I would think. But to sit down on the field, to be in the field area would be about 160 is what I think I saw, like 160 161 And then like to set behind home plate and things like that, it's about the same price. But uh, yeah, Billy Joel coming, and that is friday september 11th of 2020 is when he'll be at great american ballpark tickets actually go on sale this friday november 15th at 10 a.m and i'm sure there's plenty of billy joel fans out there that already know that so if you want some tickets you better be ready this friday at 10 a.m november 15th is when they go on sale to the general public if you're a seasoned ticket holder then i think you have early access to checking out some of those tickets but uh Look, look that up because I think the resale value on those are going to be crazy. Going to be through the roof. I don't think you're going to be able to get them cheaper than face value here. We're not talking about a um, September Reds game when they're playing the Marlins here. This isn't going to be a $5 ticket. But uh, definitely going to want to check that out. Anyway, that's going to do it for us here on the Tuesday edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for listening today, and I'm just going to let Billy play us on out. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Sing us a song, the piano man. Sing us a song.